They may be called the next generation, but they're the church of today. Reach, disciple, and mobilize students to share the hope of the gospel. This is Next Gen On Mission with Shane Pruitt and Paul Wooster. Hey friends, welcome to a special bonus episode of the Next Gen On Mission podcast. This particular episode comes from a webinar we did. So Paul, tell us about that. Awesome, yeah. We had JP, Jonathan, Bakluda come on and he helped us talk about controversial issues. How do we hit on these cultural issues that are so important for us to address, but also how do we do it with courage and conviction and compassion? How do we open up the door for further gospel conversations? So it was a great conversation. We had Q&A and it was awesome and we're excited to share it with you. Yeah, hope you enjoy it, friends. Welcome, friends. We're so glad you decided to join us. Go ahead and drop in the comments your name, where you're from, and what ministry you're a part of. And so people that are keep are coming in, let us know where you're coming from. And uh, and we'll also have a chance, the chat will be where you can ask your, your questions. So um, that'll be great. So our prayer is that God will use this session to encourage, equip, and inspire you to boldly proclaim God's truth in a way that will be effective in reaching this next generation. And we chose this topic. Shane and I have been discussing this topic and uh, we chose it because we feel that's a tension that a lot of leaders face when talking to the next generation, teaching the next generation is how do we tackle these controversial and difficult topics with those that we lead? So this generation desperately needs courageous leaders to share the truth and love and do it with wisdom and grace. And so, man, I'm super stoked about this conversation that we're going to have. So there's going to be aspects of teaching, but also we're going to get a lot of time to interact. So, uh, but before we jump into our awesome guest, um, Shane, man, you've been working on a new resource um, for a while now, for like a year and a half. And I mean, I couldn't be more excited about it. I've got to see the, the webpage and also kind of, that there's a book uh, attached as well. So can you tell us about this new resource that you've been working on? Hey, yeah, thanks, Paul. And hey, it's good, so good to see uh, so many friends on here. We know more and more will be jumping in. We'll even talk about a little bit of um, the, even just the, the momentum of the registration for this and, and how this would be available uh, in the future. And even those that couldn't get in, we know we, it filled up really fast. So anyway, um, yeah, Paul, uh, so been working on a resource with a good friend of mine by the name of Scott Pace at Southeastern Seminary. And we partnered with a publishing group, BNH Publishing, um, to write a book called Calling Out the Called. Here it is right here. Releases two weeks from the day, two weeks from the day. And uh, it's called Calling Out the Called, Discipling Those Called to Ministry Leadership. And really the heartbeat, the vision behind the book and the resource is that uh, according to statistics today, there are currently, get this, more Protestant ministry leaders over the age of 65 than under the age of 40. Um, if we were like a baseball team, it'd be like, we don't have a farm. We don't have a farm system coming up. So we got to get back to as ministry leaders to getting back to equipping the saints for the work of ministry. And we got to get back to calling out the called and discipling those who feel called uh, to ministry leadership. So um, we're so excited about the book. The book is really for ministry leaders um, to equip you and encourage you to get back to calling out the called of the next generation of ministry leaders um, and to have a tool in your tool in, in your 
toolbox to help disciple those who surrender to a calling of ministry on their life. Um, it's also for people who go, okay, hey, I am called to ministry. Now, what does that mean? What are my next steps? Yeah. It's a great book for those in your ministry who do feel a calling to ministry leadership on their life. And then it's also a great book for friends and family to go, hey, we just had a family member or a friend uh, surrender to a calling of ministry leadership on their life. How do we support them in that? How do we pray for them and journey with them in that? So um, it's really for those three uh, types of people. And then uh, at NAM, we also created a resource to go along with the book. Um, if you go to callingoutthecall.com, that is really a landing page to equip the equippers. Um, because all the time, you know, maybe we'll do a calling to ministry leadership at a camp or a conference. And every time I'll have a pastor or a collegiate leader or a youth leader go, hey, we just had 10 students surrender to a calling of ministry leadership on their life. We don't really know what to do with them. Um, so that landing page, there's nine videos there that are really to equip you as the equipper to disciple the next generation of ministry leaders. And what each of those videos has attached to it, I'm so excited about, is a, a mentoring guide. And on that mentoring guide are scriptures, content, additional resources to read. Uh, there's some questions to consider as you're discipling people who feel called to ministry leadership. And then one of the uh, sections I'm most excited about um, on that mentoring guide is opportunities to consider. Um, just different opportunities in your ministry uh, for these leaders to really start exercising their gifts, really mature and grow. Because we know the main way you're going to grow is time with the Lord and then actually serving. Um, so those are mentoring guides that you can use as you're discipling people. So yeah, there's the book that releases November 1st in two weeks. And then there is callingoutthecall.com that is live now, just went live. And that's where you'll find the videos and those mentoring guys. So Paul, we're so excited about that yeah. resource coming out. We pray that it would um, glorify the Lord and we pray that it would uh, equip a whole new generation of ministry leaders coming up. Yeah. Oh, I love it, man. And I really see a growing movement of next-gen leaders being intentional about calling out the called and not just calling them out, but also training them up. And so I pray that God uses that resource to add fuel to that movement. And as I've looked at the material, I really appreciate your value on character, character development, and how to help ministry leaders be sustainable for the long haul. And so that's something that I know is deep on your heart is just the importance of us finishing well and thriving in the midst of, of ministry leadership. And one, one leader, actually our guest today is really passionate about that as well. Um, so we're gonna jump right into the content, the bulk, the meat of this, um, this webinar. And so we have Jonathan J.P. Pocluda. Hopefully I said his last name right. But uh, J.P. is going to share. Um, and then he's going to share some things he's prepared, but we're going to spend a lot of time with Q&A. So actually, as he's sharing, y'all type in your questions in, into the chat, and we're going to have a team feeding us those um, questions on a text. So if we're looking down at our phones, that's what we're doing. We're not tweeting. Believe it or not, we don't tweet 24 seven. Um, but man, type in your questions into the chat and, uh, Shane, can you introduce JP? I know he's a good friend of yours. Yeah, man. We're so excited about this and just even the subject matter. Can I talk about that? How we navigate cultural, you know, things going on, um, in light of the gospel and equip others to, to do that as well. And, uh, and, and Paul, we, it was crazy, man. We maxed out the registration for this to be a part of it live and to receive the link to the video. Uh, we had well over 500 leaders 
uh, register for this, even filled it up. So, hey, if you had some friends that were trying to log on or it said it was full, hey, no, we are recording this and we are going to make it public as well. So it will be on YouTube very soon. We'll put clips of it on social media. You will be able to share this resource with others that couldn't get in and be a part of this today. But yes, I'm so excited to have my dear friend JP with us. Um, JP and I have known each other for multiple years now. Um, I'm always so encouraged by him. Uh, I love that he is pastoring um, in a city that I grew up in. All my family's down there. Uh, I think uh, JP and I, neither one of us became believers until we were in our 20s. And so I think we realized one day through talking that he worked at the camps in the Richland Mall. And I used to go to the Richland Mall all the time. So there's a chance I bought a Miami Dolphins hat from him at the Richland Mall, but we had no clue who each other were at that time. Yeah. But it's so cool to see what Love God's it. doing in his life. Uh, he's the lead pastor at Harris Creek uh, in Waco. Um, before that was leader of the porch, which is the largest young adult ministry of its kind uh, in the nation and around the world. Um, he's an author, um, but more than any of that, he's a follower of Jesus. He's a husband. He's a father. He's a friend. So Let's JP, go. welcome, hey. man. We hey, are man. so excited to have you, my friend. So excited to be here. The truth is that back in the day, Shane bought some Jordans from me and uh, he, he didn't, you know, he put those things on layaway. I put the bill and that's how I got on here. He owes me money. And he was like, Hey, instead, you know, how about I just have you come and speak to these pastors and leaders? So yeah, man, one day you're going to pay me back. Uh, guys, I'm kidding. It's good to be with you guys. I, I don't know that we could have a more important conversation today than the one we're going to have, not because I'm having it, but because I'm listening to all of you who are brilliant in the context that you're doing ministry. I'm praying for you, honestly, the church in our country, uh, future leaders. I don't know that there's anything that I am more passionate about sometimes to my demise, because I, I want to prioritize the things that and the ministry in front of me. But this is something that I'm passionate about. And so Ephesians, just to dump, jump in, and I hope you grab a pen and some paper because we're going to dialogue in this and you're going to ask some questions here in a bit. And uh, I, I, want, I want us to make our own list too. But Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most, every, uh, making the most of every opportunity because the day's are evil. And so as Paul writes this to the church of Ephesus, what does it mean that the days are evil? There it may mean that there's temple prostitution happening, that that there is uh there there's worship to the god Artemis. Um there there are people whose hearts are growing materialistic. But if we look at this in a 21st century context and you were to make a list, hey, what or how are the days evil? What does it mean that the days are evil? What would we, what we write down? And so I just, I want to give you guys a minute to think about that. Like, what are the, what are the things that you would write down is in, in regards to how the days are evil today? And a list that I asked my staff earlier today, and we just things we jotted down, we said, well, marriage is devalued. Truth is relative. Feelings are ultimate. Sex is cheapened and perverted at the same time. Materialism is normalized. It's just kind of the air we breathe. 
uh, we're coping as a culture with substance abuse, uh, overdose and substance abuse is skyrocketing. It's the, it's the highest it's been in, in at least since any of us have been alive. Uh, people are relationally incompetent and isolated. We've outsourced relationships to the digital age and, and media and social media. Um, there's so much division. Everyone is choosing a camp. Am I Republican? Am I um, Democrat, liberal, conservative? Am I Baptist? You know, what 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 is what is it that are the labels that I can can put on? Um, life is resented, and so sanctity of life is out the window. People are fighting, even uh, those who call themselves Christians, fighting for. Uh, uh, the right to have an abortion. Um, we are entertained by sin. I think so often people are coming to youth group and we don't know what to do with a pack of sixth grade boys. And so we just have them do something that will entertain themselves. And and so often what we're being entertained by on Amazon Prime or Netflix is the things that Jesus died for. So we're being entertained by things that Jesus has, have died, has died for. And then you throw into the mix just the mass gender confusion uh, that we believe that sex or gender is fluid and that, um, that you, you know, in the beginning, God created them male and female. Like this is an old way of thinking, uh, an old idea and, and no longer largely embraced by our culture. And so those are some of the descriptions that we would say uh, that kind of paint a picture that the days are evil. And so if you just take this to, you know, Waco, so I'm in the South, the Bible Belt, um, you know, largely, you know, evangelical culture. And recently, um, in the past two weeks, so this is really hot off the press, uh, there was a, um, there was a, a pride, um, event that happened in a park here. Uh, at that event, someone brought in a drag queen. So it was a family friendly drag show. If you're not watching me or you can't see me, I'm saying that in air quotes, family friendly drag show in which a drag queen, uh, by the name of Harlot Hussey, uh, entertained families with children there. And so you had, uh, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds. And so this happened in the community that I live in and get to serve as pastor over. And uh, this was, um, you know, the the headlines would say this was a ch um, churches sponsored this event. I want to give those churches the benefit of the doubt and assume they didn't know uh, what it was that they were, were sponsoring. I want to believe the best anywhere I can. But it, it raises the question, what should we do? And, and how should we address such things. And we know that the only thing necessary for evil to prevail is for good people to do nothing. And there's this really confused messaging today in the church that what it looks like amongst Gen Z and, and um, a generation rising is, you know, we, we, we should just be concerned about our own personal holiness and not about the holiness of others. And, and so the problem with any lie is there's some truth in it. We should be concerned about our own personal holiness, right? There, there is something that is lost in this, that, that we do need to live lives that are above reproach. But outside the walls of our churches and our scopes of leadership, it's not to each his own. 
Because Jesus calls us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, to be salt, salt and light. You guys know this. And, and so this is the salt and light, city on a hill. Let your good deeds shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Or so let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven, Matthew 5, 16. But if you back up in verse 13, Jesus calls us salt. And he says, if salt loses its saltiness, it's not good for anything. It should be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Well, in this context, in the first century, salt wasn't just used for flavor. In fact, its primary um, its its primary use was actually as a preservative, and so they would res- they would get their salt from the sea, and uh, it wouldn't necessarily be mined from the ground. They would take seaweed and they would wrap it around meat because there's no refrigeration at this time. There's no ice at this time, and so the way that you would preserve meat is you would wrap seaweed around it, and that's how it would stay good. And so Jesus is saying, and if you do not, as a follower of Jesus, play your role, then a culture around you, life as you know it, your cities and your churches and your areas of influence are going to rot. They're going to decay. And and what he's also saying or implying in the scripture is that Christian values actually preserve a land. And somewhere in recent history, this has been lost. I think it's it's cloaked in, in you know, buzzwords like Christian nationalism or, or things like that, that we hear and we say, oh gosh, I, you know, I don't want to be that, or I don't want to be associated with that. People really don't like that. And I think that the enemy uses this to confuse people that, no, 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 wait, hold on. But Christian values do preserve a land. Um, You could go anywhere in the world. And if you teach this idea that people are to love others and and put their own... their own desires above themselves? Is that going to be a place that is going to prosper and a place where you're going to want to live? And most people in any culture, in any language are going to say, yes, that is where I want to be, where, where people are selfless and they're concerned about others and they're devoted to the, they're devoted to the apostles teaching and the breaking of the bread and having all things in common and selling their belongings to meet the needs of others. This is really a beautiful picture that the New Testament gives us of the church. And at some point, I think in recent history, we've just hunkered down and we said, hey, let's not address that topic. Let's not address that topic. Let's not address that topic. Those are are too politically charged. That's going to create division. That's going to get me some emails. I don't, I don't want to deal with that. And I, and I believe we have to say, okay, we have built our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And the tool that we, he has entrusted to us is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the Bible, a collection of 66 books, the manifold wisdom of God, which addresses things such as gender, uh, such as homosexuality, such as sexuality in general, such as the sanctity of life, the the reality that I've been knitted together in my mother's womb, um, things like uh, dating, things like um, there is neither Greek nor Jew nor Gentile, you know, right? The uh, what we would call today race, like all of this, these are topics that the scriptures speaks into. And so as we teach the full wisdom of God, all scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And so we're going to use the word of God to attach it to the hot topics of our day because Gen Z and the the young adults that are before you and, and the youth that are before you, they're desperate for it. And it, I, I'm a dad of three. And I remember when I went, uh, I heard a woman speak on talking to your kids about sex. 
And she said something initially I had caught word that she said, Hey, you should start this really early on, like as early as, as kindergarten or before. And, um, and, and there were just some buzzwords that I heard and I thought, man, that's, that's crazy. It was kind of my initials. I don't know about that. Like that seems too early. And so then I, I listened to the curriculum and and really the point that she made was your kindergartner are, they're going to hear topics on sex that are going to be on par with the oldest sibling of their classmate. Meaning if somebody in their kindergarten class has a 16 year old brother or sister, they're going to get a message on sexuality from a, from somebody with, with a 16 year old message. You know, that that's the conversations that's going to creep into the classroom. And she built a case on this and I thought it was really interesting. And so then I would say likewise to pastors and church leaders and really leaders in our community in general, leaders of young people, leaders of the next generation, Hey, they're going to get these messages from somewhere. Somebody will get to shape what they believe on gender. Somebody will get to to shape what they believe about sexuality. Somebody will get to shape their view on marriage. Somebody will get to shape their view on life and 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 uh, and, and hot topics such as abortion, right? And so you can say, "Hey, I'm going to outsource this to CNN and Fox. Uh, I'm going to outsource this to Instagram and TikTok. I'm going to outsource this to Snapchat and and Johnny in the third row in their." you know, in their math class, or, or I'm going to step in front of it and I'm going to say, Hey, here's what, uh, God says about life, about sexuality, about gender, uh, uh, about all of these, you know, what I'm calling, uh, symptoms of the days are evil. What, what Ephesians five says is make the most of every opportunity. And you better believe that any sphere of influence you have is riddled with opportunity. Any pair of ears that's going to give you their attention, that's your opportunity that the scripture is calling you to make the most of. And so what he says in Colossians 4, and so because I think we think, um, you know, we just need to hunker down. We just need to focus on us. And, and it doesn't really matter what happens in a park in our communities. And I would just say, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. There we see it again, right? Let your conversations, oh, so we're supposed to have, our, have conversations. Yes, and let them be full of grace, seasoned with salt, again, salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Uh, a friend of mine, um, a, a man that I got to learn from, was was just honored to learn from, and he's since passed away. His name is Charles Colson or Chuck Colson, and he talks about winsome engagement. And so, I think we look at these situations like a drag show in the park, and and we think, well, there's nothing I can do. And I would say there's always something we can do, but the problem is we have really poor represent representation at times, and so the the people that the news, the media want to to show you know to show as representing Christians, they're shouting, they're hateful, they're picketing, they're rioting, and they're like, oh, here the here are the Christians, right? And so, what does it look like to go and be the hands and feet of Jesus? Uh, what does it look like to go and have a really consistent message, but one that is is you know rooted in love? Uh, that we would love our neighbor as ourselves, that we would love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that we would that we would do something. I was um, I was in Houston 
I was speaking in Houston, but I got caught in a traffic jam. And, and so we were running late and it was summer in Houston. So it was 106 degrees this particular day, just sweltering heat and the heat's bouncing off the asphalt. And there's, there's this guy right beside me on a black Harley Davidson. And uh, he's a bald guy, no protection whatsoever from the sun. He's literally just roasting before our eyes. It's my wife and I in, in our car. And I look at that situation of this man who who is is probably about to die of a heat stroke. At least it looked like. I mean, you could just tell him mean, he's just covered in sweat. And I look at that situation and I go, what can I do? You know, like hopeless situation. What can I do? Nothing I can do. Now, my wife, on the other hand, right, she's drinking from a bottle of Ozarka and she's got the lid off and it's at her lips. And she looks and sees that guy and doesn't hesitate. She rolls down her window and, and she just, she goes, Hey, do you, you want some water? And this man, right. I mean, just this hardcore leather jacket, you know, Harley guy goes H yeah. You know, and just takes her water from her and just downs it right in front of us. And I love that because I go, what can I do? And she goes, what can I do? You know, what can I do? And I think we see these situations in the park and in the news and in the media and on social media and in the classrooms and in our churches and in our small groups. And we need to say, what can I do? What can I do? Because there's always something you can do. And it doesn't, if, if it's not rooted in the spirit of God, like if, if it's not spirit led, don't do it. You know, it don't, please don't respond in the flesh to these situations, but move toward them courageously and, and just say, Hey, how can I help? What is the need? Let me assess the need and meet the need. And let me speak a message and apply the scriptures to the, here's what the scriptures say. And you don't have to worry about like, let people argue with Jesus, you know? And if, if, if they're saying, well, I don't, I believe I can be pansexual. Um, that, that's, that's, that's fine that you believe that. Honestly, I, I'm not here to change what you believe necessarily, but, but I do know what I believe and I believe I know what God believes. And so if you have an interest in what God believes, I would love to, with humility and love, share that with you. Now, if you're not interested in what God believes, you know, that, then, then let's talk about Jesus. Cause to non-believers, I want to talk about Jesus to believers. I want to talk about the scripture. And I, I think we have to get really good at that to non-believers. We have to talk about Jesus all the time. Here's the gospel to non-believers, gospel, 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 and to believers, scripture, 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 and, and also, which includes the gospel, right? And th this is what we have to be amazing at because the days are evil. And I think that, um, you know, I heard a story this morning of, you know, people circled up and they were just talking about what they believe. And, um, you know, one person said, uh, you know, I, I hate the church. I've been hurt by the church. I've experienced church hurt. I don't want anything to do with the church. And, uh, I, th those people are, are bigots and, and prejudice and all of these things. And, and as they shared somebody else, you know, two, two people over, they were wearing a WWJD bracelet. And as they were sharing and saying this, just with, with a lot of passion, they, they kind of quietly slipped off that bracelet and put it in their pocket. And, um, and I think probably under the banner of kind of first Corinthians nine, all things to all people. Uh, but I, I think, you know, anyone who denies me to others, I will deny to my father. And um, I don't think that's all things to all people. 
we have to think about, you know, go back to chemistry class. You have constants and you have variables. And so as Paul talks about all things to all people, those are the variables. Like if I need to change my, my favorite team, like if I'm wearing a, a, a Boston Red Sox hat to, you know, Yankee Stadium, I, I can switch out my hat, but I can't switch out my morals. I can't switch out my savior. I can I can change uniforms if 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 I'm a hot dog guy with a bunch of hamburger people I can change what I eat and be a hamburger person for the day if that's going to advance the gospel but I can't change that that I believe that Jesus Christ is the way the truth and the life and no one gets to the Father except through Him that's the constant there's there's variables on the peripheral of your life that you can change but you can never as a follower of Jesus, stop standing on truth. And I'm just telling you the next generation, they're going to get a truth somewhere. And it's, you know, they believe the truth is relative and there is no shortage of people that are spooning out, dishing out truth. And so we have to figure out, all right, what do we believe? And if you are hesitant or timid, uh, they're going to know that. They're going to see that. Um, and, and, and it's going to lose trust with them. And so Shane, we still here. We're still good. Man. Yeah. It's still clear, man. You're coming through clear. Awesome. Strong words, my friend. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, those are, those are kind of the, the big ideas. I want to go back to, you know, how are the days evil, uh, what does it look like to make the most of every opportunity? You know, if we're if we're looking out there, marriage is devalued, truth is relative, feelings are ultimate, sex is cheapened and perverted, uh, materialism is normalized, coping, uh, we're coping with substance abuse, vaping, THC, uh, opioids. People are relationally incompetent and isolated. Uh, there's a lot of division of every kind in our land. Life is resented and not respected and cherished, um, not valued. We're entertained by sin and there's a lot of gender confusion. Then I think what it means to be ministers of reconciliation in that land is is really wherever we are, we're seeking to restore Eden. Um, we we are the ambassadors of Christ. We we are responding as Jesus would respond in that situation. And I, I think we have to renew our minds around this. Like we have to set our minds on the on the things above. And so if I was to ask you guys, hey, what keeps you from doing that? I think we could we could begin to peel back all of the layers, but we're gonna come down to one word and and I think it's fear. And um you know, we're afraid to be canceled. Guys, it should be our goal, you know? I, I mean, we follow a savior who was canceled. He was crucified. And so if we want to be like him, like if we want to be like Jesus, you know, we're Jesus followers, like we follow Jesus, like the one that we followed was literally nailed to two pieces of wood on the side of the road and asphyxiated. Um, and that's who we want to be like. 
then I think we have to stop being afraid of being canceled and assume it's going to happen. It's it's not if, it's when. If you do your your job right, you're, it's it's not if, it's when. And God's in charge of that. Like the king's hearts are water courses in the Lord's hands. He directs them wherever he pleases. He is in charge of other people's, uh, of, of what other people think of you. He is in charge of your reputation. You know, just be faithful. And so you say, what are, what's my role? What, what should the crosshairs be set on? Set the crosshairs on faithfulness. Ask in any situation at any time, what does faithfulness look like for me? How can I respond? And, and you know, he says, let your motive always be love. And in everything you do, it, it can't be a political agenda. That can't be your motive. Your motive cannot be um, to win. You know, your your motive cannot be to, you know, really put them in their place with some meme or or response to some social media post. Like you, if if you feel like you're given to an unrighteous anger, slow down, stop and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and respond with love. And if whoever you're talking to doesn't know you love them, you've already lost. And so I just start with that. I'm like, hey, I want you to know I love you so much. And I, I am not transphobic. I'm not homophobic. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to, to tell you that we only care about, care about babies in the womb. I'm saying, hey, I'm going to care. I've got an empty bedroom. And if that mother needs a place to live, we got her. She can come live with me. I've got a space at my kitchen table. She can sit there and we will feed her and care for her and see her restored and financially provide for her. And and if you're trans, like I'm not afraid of you, like look me in the eyes and know that I love you. And more than that, my God loves you. And if you need money and I have money, I got you. And if you need a meal, I got you. And if you need a place to stay, I got like, this is the church being the church. Like these are the things that impact people. And so what I'm talking about, like, please don't hear my message as one of like, I'm trying to send you out there with picket signs and, and, and to shout louder than the person across the street. I'm saying, go and show this world a radical love, but you got to pair that radical love with a radical truth. And that radical truth is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus operates through his church, the hands and feet of which he is the head and and this is the hope of the world. And that is the thing that preserves a land. Like if we did that, if there's 500 of us watching and I, I pray 500,000 later, not, I, I pray that I would disappear and that we would see this message plainly. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil, that we would speak the truth in love, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you know how to answer everyone, understanding that we've been called to be salt and preserve uh, a land with the teachings of Jesus Christ. And so I think with that, I'll, I'll just open it up to, to questions. That was, that was awesome, JP. So encouraging. And I think having the, with those passages in mind, man, our heart and our focus in all this is to reach people that wouldn't otherwise be reached. And these are all these cultural issues and things that are we're talking about here are actually opportunities to advance the gospel. And so um, I love that, man. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, I think you hit on one of the biggest fears that a lot of us have is it's actually we're afraid that if we hit on these issues, it'll 
stop us from having that gospel opportunity. Um, so what experience have you had in as we're as you're sharing truth, has this opened up doors to the gospel or has it kind of closed stuff down for you in in this in that situation? Does that make sense? It does. It does. Yeah. I mean, I I um you know, it's almost like <laughs> it's almost like generosity. Like you 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 know, I heard um uh uh, Letourneau, I'm trying to think of his first, his, the letters of his name, but I think R.G. Letourneau, he, he, he was in the earth moving business and he said he would shovel out money. He was known for his generosity, he would shovel it out and he said, and God would shovel it back in and God just has a bigger shovel. <laughs> and, uh, and I think like, as you operate in faithfulness, like I'm just telling you, God's in charge of how many followers you have and who's listening to you. And, and, and God can make the loudest voice in the world uh, a person who is incarcerated in prison, you know, uh, yeah. you know, he can make the greatest missionary in the world, a, a person who's sitting in a prison in, in, you know, Corinth or Rome or wherever, right? Like God can do that. He can even write the Bible through that person. And so I, I think we have to remember that. And I'll just tell you personally, like I drove from Dallas, from a church of, of 20,000 down 35 to a, a place in Waco. It's not even in Waco. It's outside of Waco, uh, a tiny town of, I think, like 2000 people and a, and a church there. And I thought, you know, I, I thought I'll just delete Instagram. I thought I'll delete social media and just kind of hunker down. And the more... I spoke to these topics and these issues, like the, the larger the platform grow, grew and it still is, you know, it's crazy. Every Friday, I take about 2000 questions. I mean, I answer a hundred, somewhere around a hundred, but I'll get about 2000. And that, that all started here in Waco because I showed up to my new church job. And when I got to the church on Friday, it was closed and I didn't real and I didn't have the alarm code. So I just went back home and I took questions on Instagram and that was, you know, who knew, but God was doing this Friday Q and a thing. So I think as you operate faith in faithfulness, like God's, God's going to enlarge your territory if he wants to. And if he doesn't, he doesn't want to. And, you know, you just need to be concerned about your own faithfulness. That's great. And with that, I'm sure you've gotten your share of criticism along the way, as you've been proclaiming these truths in the most loving, gentle way you can. Um, what advice would you give us as ministry leaders for handling criticism, um, whether that's online, emails, DMs, or even interpersonally with with people that we're yeah. around? Yeah. Find something you can own, you know, and it's, it's just, it's, the, the scripture calls us to, I always say like own, own 100% of your 2%. Like if you have 2% in a conflict or a disagreement, like then own 100% of your 2%. But I think you just modeling that first is is even strategically disarming, and um, and so if somebody's coming after you and you can say, man, I'm I'm really sorry for it, you know if it's w what I said uh, that offended you, like I believe this, but if it's how I said it, I can always say it better. I can always say it more winsome. I can always say it more loving. There's always something that we can own, and and um, and if if what they're saying is true, then change. And if what if what they're saying is devoid of truth, then don't stoop to even consider it. And so you have to you have to weigh all that out. I mean, you put all of those all of that advice in a in a in a pot and you stir it up, and there's kind of the right way to do right way to respond. But there's a lot of wrong ways, right? And so if we respond with with back with anger, you know, the scripture says, "Do not answer a fool according to his folly." Right around where it says, "Answer a fool according to his folly," which just kind of speaks to this reality that we have to have discernment. And um, 
Do you look at the situation? You say, okay, what can I own? What of their critique is fair? What if it's not? And then how can I move forward? You can't get stuck in your head of like, hey, what do people think of me? Paul says to the church in Galatia, am I not? Am I now trying to win the approval of God or of people? Am I trying to please people? For if I'm trying to please people, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. We all want to be a bondservant of Christ. So we can't live for the approval of others. We have to live for the approval of God or from the approval of God, I should say. Yeah, I love that, JP. And man, let me just tell you, man, some of your, your Friday Q&As are some of my favorite things to follow on Fridays, man, on Instagram. Yeah, uh, friends, it. if you're not following JP on Instagram, you need to um, love the content he's putting out. And just the questions you get and how you address them, which, you know, when Paul and I were talking about this particular topic, we were like, man, JP's the best at it. Because what I love is like everything you respond to is just dripping with love and grace. Yeah. Um, but you're also so direct, which I've seen Gen Z really responds to that when you're like yeah. not trying to bait and switch them, you're just direct, but, but loving, you know, bold, but not overbearing. Hey, so, uh, I want to ask you a question real quick about what you feel like some of the most important topics for next gen leaders to constantly, uh, discuss and equip, um, students in. But, um, before I get to that, uh, one of those particular topics um, is just mental, emotional health. You know, you, you mentioned it, feelings are ultimate, um, mm -hmm. is what many believe. And so I almost feel like it was this massive pendulum shift in the church that I think is front and center today. Whereas like at one time the church never talked about it. And now on some level, it's like front and center of what we talk about as the church. And so how do we kind of correct that pendulum? And what do y'all do at Harris Creek to go, okay, Hey, we're going to discuss this, but let's do it in a way that you know, it's not helping people create their feelings to be their gods, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's really fascinating, Shane. One, thank you for the encouragement. And and likewise, I don't want to make this just like a love fest back and forth, but I, I love your boldness online and and somebody you're you're somebody that stiffens my spine, you know, and 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 encourages me, which if we look at that word, it's like you put courage in in me and the ministry and I. And so thank you. Uh I I think in in terms of mental illness, um, one, we have to address it because it's a it's an epidemic in front of us. And I think two, we have to ask why. And so the mantra of the satanic church is do as thy will. I mean, the the literally, I mean, it has a mantra, the satanic church, the occult, and it's and they say, hey, you just do whatever you want to do. It's hedonism. And the mantra of the of the Bible is, you know, um, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, right? To to understand that the God that we worship sacrificed his one and only son for our salvation so that we can have a relationship with him. And as we follow him, we're to put our own, uh, you know, prerogatives, desires, preferences aside to follow, to do everything that he would ask us to do, knowing that he knows better than we do. And there's this message right now that's all about self and I'm just telling you, it's satanic. I mean, it is satanic. And so Satan loves to see people sick. He loves to see people depressed. He loves to see people cutting themselves. He loves to see people starving themselves. He loves to see people abusing themselves. And this is all born out of this kind of love to see people, you know, trying to love themselves, right? And I want to be careful because it depends on what you mean by that. And that there's a lot of confusion around this. And I'm not saying it's it's wrong to care for yourself or to care for your soul. But I'm just saying when you become ultimate in your life, you often get sick. And when the kind of sick I'm talking about 
is is mental illness. I'm also not saying that all mental illness is rooted in narcissism, but some of it certainly is. And I'll, I'll even go a little bit stronger and say a lot of it certainly is. And so I think in in dealing with um in dealing with the mental illness, I think the church has to go back to the teachings of Jesus Christ and, you know, Philippians 2 and saying, hey, what does it look like to um, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others more important than ourselves? Because as we try to become more important in this world uh, and, and we feed the social media machine, it doesn't go somewhere good. And so those, those are some thoughts. Um, I, I'm not like against medication. I'm not against counseling. I'm not against therapy. I I've been to a counselor. I've been to a therapist. I, um, I, I like all of those things can be fine, but the church cannot outsource this topic. Like we can't say, Oh, we're not going to touch mental illness. we got to leave that to the professionals. You are the professionals. Like we have the word of God. Uh, and we have, we, we have, the the corner on of on wisdom not all like there's other wisdom but it's rooted in the foundation of all the wisdom is preserved in the scriptures and so as we have that we can we can talk about such issues yeah i love that jp so in that same vein what would you consider like what are some other topics especially in light of gen z you know for mainly talking to next gen yeah. leaders so young adults college students teenagers um what are some topics that we as Bible teachers, we have to address or disciple yeah. makers, we have to address with them. Yeah. Man, we, we've made a mess for ourselves on this gender deal. And so just the fluidity of gender and, and the, the mutilation that's happening for profit is crazy. And so if you look at, you know, 2000s, how many clinics there were to transition adolescence. And now you look at, at 2022 um, on a map. I mean, it'll blow your mind. And these these are happening uh, at $60,000 or more a pop. And so make no mistake about it. I mean, these doctors are making millions of dollars and they're saying, hey, it's a, you know, it's all about love. And they're trying to get, um, you know, uh, legislation behind them. And it is about profit. And so I would say gender uh, gender roles, uh, all topics around gender, all topics around sexuality, um, uh, masturbation, you know, I mean, no, who, if you're not talking about this again, they're going to learn about self-gratification. And so these, these words, we have to get really comfortable talking about things like pornography, um, sexual abuse. I mean, the church should be a safe haven. If somebody has experienced sexual abuse, it should be a place where they can go to their pastor and talk to them and, and find a path uh, of healing marriage. I mean, this is this, these all go hand in hand, but just to, to understand that the only kind of marriage they've ever seen is the kind that breaks. And that wasn't God's original design for marriage. And so you're, you're really redefining some of these ideologies that, that Disney and Nickelodeon has defined for them. And so how can we come in and say, no, this is God's ideal. Like, this is what we believe. This is the truth. And uh, I think you want to capture those early. And and the good news is, if you just teach through the Bible, you're going to hit on these topics. But I do think you have to be aware of what those uh, culturally charged topics are and not try to avoid them, but rather go go after them first. Like the things that I think we put on the back shelf should be the things on the first, the front shelf, like just behind the gospel. So it's like Jesus Christ crucified, death and burial and resurrection for the forgiveness of your sins. Oh, and... Now, as you navigate the sixth grade, here are the things you're going to run run into, you know? 
That is, that is so good. Um, so a question along with that is, so you recommend teaching through books of the Bible and then also hitting on these topics and adding that to your discipleship plan with, with students and young people kind of, do you have a percentage that you recommend kind of like going through or like, what's a, how does, how does someone wrap their mind around, um, kind of hitting on these topics up front when someone comes to Christ? Yeah, I think it's a, I don't, I don't have a percentage that I recommend. I, I, um, I'm a Bible teacher, right. And, you know, and so if I'm talking about something topically, I'm, I'm taking a passage and I'm teaching through that passage, even in dealing with that topic personally, that's what I do. And so, um, as you go through the book of James, like you're going to cover a lot of these, or you'll even, you'll come up against a scripture that you'll be able to use, you know, a culturally relevant, um, uh, scenario as an illustration. So it'd be like, Hey, you know, it's like last week, there was this drag show in a park in Waco. Hey, here's what James says. And here's how that applies to this situation. And so you can use some of those in a more illustrative ways. And then I think, you know, the, the, the cheapest consultant for pastors, teachers, communicators, and and leaders are those that you're leading. And so you just, yeah. you can put together those think tanks and say, Hey guys, you know, safe place here. Like, what is it that y'all want you you guys need to address like what do you feel like we're not touching on that that you know uh you're surprised by or what is what is something that you want to hear more of and man they'll they'll help you know and understand that and then just like super practically and I don't even know that I'd advise this necessarily it's just experientially what I do is is we tend to do like a book of the bible and then we kind of do two topical series now keeping in mind in those topical series we're teaching passages of scripture right. but then we'll do another book of the bible and then kind of two topical series that that's what I've been doing since I've been teaching uh, and and not like super legalistically but generally speaking that's kind of how it shakes out oh that's a great that's a great flow and kind of leading into the next kind of thought here is as you're engaging these conversations, kind of let's let's imagine it more personally with one student at a time. And as these issues come up, how do you um, lead the conversation, guide the conversation towards a gospel, transition it, so to speak, into a gospel conversation and like using that as an opportunity to proclaim the gospel? What tips would you give us on that? Are you talking about like in a conversation or in a teaching? Yeah, scenario? like a one-on-one conversation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man, it's it's the 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 most challenging part about the gospel, about sharing the gospel evangelism, I think, is the transition. Like, so how do you go from talking about the football game to, you know, oh, man, these wings are hot. You know what else is hot? Hell is hot. You know, don't want to go there, you know. And so it's like you don't want to do that. And so, like, I just you two questions that are my go to's depending on who I'm talking to. It's do you have a faith? So if I'm talking to the server at a restaurant, hey, man, how are you? So what was your name? Oh, hey, John, it's great to meet you. I'm, I'm, you know, how long have you been in Waco? Oh, man, that's interesting. And so now we're just talking. So it's it's comfortable. We're talking, not, you know, just people love to talk about themselves. How long have you been in Waco? Oh, man, how did that happen? You just, how long you worked here? Those are basic questions. Hey, let me ask you, do you have a faith? And now with that question, now we're talking about things that are going to matter 100 years from now and 100 billion years from now. Like, boom. That just happened. Like, do you have a faith? Uh, the other one is, hey, are you into church? Are you into church at all? And so both of those questions take it from, you know, the, the topic at hand to spiritual matters. 
And so that's, that's how, I mean, there's nothing, I, I, that is literally what I do 99.9% of the time. Do you have a faith or are you into church? Yeah. I love that JP. Hey, um, so man, love your answers, man. So we got, all right. So we're going to do a, a, a really a session of Friday Q and a with you, man. Okay. Um, but right here on Tuesday, man. So we've got in the Let's chat go. bar, just tons of questions coming in. So we're just, we picked some of them, our team. Um, and I love this one, you know, and this probably is geared more towards probably teenagers and down. Cause I know, you know, college students, young adults, they're adults. So you don't have to have as, as much involvement with the parents, but if you're going to talk about something super sensitive, um, maybe a cultural kind of hot button topic. Um, how do you involve the parents in that at Harris Creek? Um, like what, how are the parents involved and equipped and discipled in that, in those discussions? I mean, I think you just, you want to keep your parents, um, looped in all the time. Right. And so, you know, if you're doing a newsletter or an email, if you're, uh, let's just say you're a youth pastor. And so every week you're kind of saying, Hey, here's what we're seeing. Here's where we're going. And really your job too, as a youth minister is to equip the parents. And and I've learned that they really want that. Like as much as they can partner with you, like most parents are reasonable and they want to partner with you. Now, now some of them are a little overprotective helicopter lawnmower parents. Like I get it. And the struggle struggle is real, but, it, but you'll save yourself a lot of, of reactive time later. If you can be proactive, Hey, this is where we're headed. This is what we're talking about. This is where we're going. This is what I'm seeing. These are the challenges right now. And, and so it's, I don't know that it's any more complicated than that. It's if you never communicate with the parents and then all of a sudden they get an email out of nowhere that, you know, it's like, Hey, this, this week we're talking about, you know, gender fluidity heads up. And well, that feels like, whoa wow, okay, this is big and head, like pastor email me. But if you're emailing them on the regular and you're saying, Hey, these are the, you know, last week we, we talked about James and you know, the week before that we were going through Matthew and this week we're talking about gender fluidity. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a little bit like, Oh, we have a relationship. We're talking. And I know, and I know it, it's good for me to have a periscope into what my children are learning. And you can even resource them. Hey, when your kids get home, they may ask you questions along these lines. If you're looking for great resources, here's one by Preston Sprinkle. And here's one from Shane Pruitt. And here's one from, you know, Nam, whatever it is. Right. And so I, that's what I would just say is, is keep the conversation going. That's really Good. Yeah. So let's um, shift gears to young adults. You've been focused on reaching, discipling young adults for a while now. What changes um, have you seen in since you've been doing it? And uh, what what challenges and opportunities are now um, and maybe in the future? What do you foresee um, in that? Yeah, um, there is you know, the, the, the word that comes to mind, honestly, and I'm, I'm always slow to criticize a generation without <laughs> encouraging them because right. I think there's a lot of positive things. I mean, I, I do think that Jesus could have chosen anyone and he chose young adults and they were boneheads, you know, I mean, that was like Peter, you know, it's like, man. Uh, but I, I think victim mentality is what I just see a lot of. And and so you have this phenomenon called quiet quitting. And so as people move into the workspace, they just don't show up. Customer service died in 2020. Uh, I mean, I've, I've been in so many areas of hospitality where, you know, the, the employee is just there on their phone. And, um, 
And so you have all of the challenges that come with the digital era in, in, in the pockets of, you, you know, in your 13 year old's pockets, they have a gateway to every kind of explicit porno- pornographic image you could ever imagine and it's sitting right there in their pocket in algebra class, you know? And, and so that's crazy. That's a new problem. Uh, they, they are, um, they're confused. Like they don't know, you know, they, I mean, just to even, it's like you ask, if you ask someone about gender, race, sexuality, these topics, they're super confused on. And I just, so I like to just ask them lots of questions and see, you know, where they go. And so that's what I would say in in regards to application, ask lots of questions, listen to them, understand, you know, what they believe before you can address it and, and then address it consistently. Um, you know, position yourself as a source of wisdom again with the word of God in their lives. And, uh, I th- I, that yeah, that that's kind of all the answers together. Yeah, AJP. Hey, um, here's another great question that came in that I think is super relevant. I know pretty much every ministry is getting this question, especially if you're reaching um, young people on a large scale. And um, you know, I know even your context there at Harris Creek. Um, remember, I remember the last time I preached for you at Harris Creek, there was this random like once in a decade snowstorm in Waco, oh, Texas. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember yeah. that. Yeah, that's <laughs> but, crazy. Yeah. But I mean, even I mean, a large percentage of y'all's crowd are Baylor students right. and MCC students. And so when they come in and go, hey, is this a gay affirming church or a yeah. queer affirming church? How do y'all address that? Yeah. yeah. Well, a lot of times they, they, I rarely get the answer, the question like that. What it looks like is um, a lot of times it's from someone in the gay lifestyle and they say, uh, do you guys welcome everyone? Is everyone welcome? And and so what the conversation looks like is, hey, would I, will I be welcome there? And I say, oh, absolutely. With open arms, you will be welcome there. And then it, the follow-up is, so you're not going to ask me to change. Oh, no, that's a different question, right? So we, we believe that the Spirit of God is changing everyone. That sanctification is the process that occurs after salvation. And, and so in that sanctification, we are all being conformed to the image and the character of Jesus by the Spirit of Jesus. And so he's chipping away the parts of us that are not like Jesus that's happening. And as you educate people to that, like, hey, right now, I, the church that I have the, the honor of leading is, is bringing about change in my own life, in my own sexuality, in my own uh, worldview, in, in my own, um, the ways that I think about these things, like the Holy Spirit through the word of God and the people of God is changing me. And so if they said, are you a gay affirming church? I, I think I would say, well, what do you mean by that? Uh, just to get them to clarify, well, are do you, do you believe that um, God cheers on homosexual acts? I would say, no, I mean, I, I believe in what the scripture says. Um, if you, if you're trying to, you know, boil it down to something fast, I hold to traditional views of, of marriage and sexuality. And um, I believe that the reason that that's important is because as we operate within the will of God, we're going to find life. And as we operate outside the will of God, we're going to experience death. And then I might even go, hey, is that something, so are you, are you involved in the gay lifestyle? 
And if so, would you say you've experienced life or death? And even, even, even if they go, oh, life, like, are you creating life? Like I've experienced so much life that that's a pebble in somebody's shoe, man. I've just learned that like somebody gets off that phone call or they get, they walk away from that conversation and they continue to think about it later. And I just say, man, I just want you to know that you are welcome here. Like we, we welcomed you. We're not like, Please understand that you, if you want, you can sit right by me, my family and I. And so we're going to be in this row and you can, I'll save you a spot. We'd love to have you. You are welcomed here. Everyone is welcome here. If you killed somebody in the parking lot, you're welcome here. And it's not that we're not going to do something about that, if you will. Man, JP, and I love that response, man. That's one of the best I feel loving and balanced response I've ever heard is, hey, we welcome everyone and we expect everyone to change That's because right. of the power of the gospel. I love that. It's powerful. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, really holiness is the goal. And when we talk about our own struggles and we all struggle, we all have things we need to grow in and, and work on, but also not baiting and switching with people. And I've heard stories of churches that were like, yeah, we welcome everyone. And then yeah. they find out months later and it's, that's not loving either is to kind of trick people into joining. And because that ultimately that just hurts people more. Uh, and I love your pebble in the shoe illustration. That's so encouraging because I believe as we share God's word, as we share truth, like God's word is powerful, not our opinions. Like that is the thing that's going to be powerful. So how do you apply all this to social media? What advice would you give to the average ministry leader um, addressing these topics and engaging on social media. Um, yeah. Avoid it like the plague. I'm kidding. I, I, because I'm a hypocrite cause I don't, but um, uh, it, it, it often social media often does not allow for the nuance that some of these conversations require. Okay. And so, man, I, you know, the, a luxury that I have is is the relentless return of Friday. And so if I say something wrong, you know, what Christianity gives us is is really a, a course. One of many things it gives us is course correction. Like we can always say, man, I'm really sorry. I missed it. Uh, you know, will you please forgive me? And and we will. Um Sometimes people repeat back to me what they heard me say. And I'm like, that's not what I said. That's not what I meant when you're reading something like the typed out word, like tone is lost in that. And so, you know, you don't know where the emphasis is in the sentence. And if you miss a punctuation, all of a sudden it reads very different to somebody else. And so I would just say carefully, cautiously, consistently, let God's word speak for itself. So sometimes it's just like, you know, here's a scripture, you know, how do you interpret the script? Like, here's a scripture. This is what God's word says. Here's what I believe that means. Here's how it can apply to this context. And then I would just say, hopefully and joyfully, a lot of times, like you guys are leaders and, and there's just two ways to get a, a, um, a criticism as a leader. So like if you get an email and so this is, let's just say there's two emails and they, they were both sent to you for the same reason, like say something you said in, in a leadership address. One says, I'm, I'm, it starts, I'm so disappointed in you. I thought you were, I can't believe that you did. And I'm really discouraged by, and I hope that you, you know, that's one, right? And then the other one is, hey, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. And as you respond to this really difficult situation, I, I hope that, you know, you will 
hear these voices and know that are these verses rather and know that we are behind you and support you as you move this way. And so like they're, the two emails are saying the same thing. One is just a whole lot more encouraging. And so those are some thoughts. Yeah, I love that. JP, do you feel like, I mean, cause you've been doing this for a while now and uh, do you feel like reaching young adults and teenagers is harder today than it was when you first started ministry? And if so, why do you think of those changes? Um, Oh man, I, you know, I just don't, I think I was naive Shane early on. I don't know <laughs> if I knew what I was doing enough to know how hard it was. And so, yeah. um, I do think it's harder though. I mean, it's just because, uh, it, it, guys, so mental illness is on the rise, anxiety, depression on the rise, suicides are on the rise. Uh, there's, we're, we're divided, uh, by sex, by race, by, you know, socioeconomic, uh, situations politically, uh, you know, there's so much division, there's so much confusion. And I think for all of that, those reasons, that's why I started the way I started today is I don't know that we could have a more important conversation. And so I think we have to be that consistent source of truth and, and light, uh, and, you know, salt and light and, um, truth and grace. And so I, I believe, I believe it's more difficult today for sure. That's great. Is there a second yeah, part to that or just, yeah. Okay. No, that's, that's great. And so a question I had is how do you, um, as a ministry grows, you have a growing number of adult volunteers and staff and other people. What, what do you do to equip? What do you recommend we do to equip leaders to engage these conversations well? And what advice would you give? Yeah. Give us on that. Do you, do you remember the last question you asked me? The one right before this one? Not Shane, I but you. So. Yes. I, well, I think you, so. What did you, what Not was exactly. it? No, no, no. What okay. was it? All right. Oh, I don't remember, yeah. but I wanted to make sure I answered it. So ask that one again. And I'll go. That's, that's the one you just asked again. Okay. Well, this one was about, um, as you have volunteers, adult volunteers and staff, how do you, uh, equip them to have these conversations? Well, yeah, I think, I think, you know, you, you really kind of telling them what not to do. And so it's like, Hey, <laughs> when you gather with this small group, they're not looking for your wisdom or your uncle's advice. You know, they're not, they're not looking for you to shoot from the hip anywhere. You can say, well, the word of God says, you know, this is, this is what the scripture says. This is, this is what Paul writes to the church in Corinth or Ephesus or Thessalonica. And this is what Jesus said in the gospels and Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, he, here's where Peter says in first Peter, second Peter, right? John says, and so anytime we can turn to there and, and say, hey, this this is how this is addressed. And so if I could if I could teach them to do anything, it would be that. It's like, hey, please don't give them your opinion. Um, it's okay to say you don't know. And we've never had more resources uh, around this, right? We've never had more resources available to us with gotquestions.org. That's an amazing site just to go on and say, okay, what about, and then there's an entire paper, you know, with verses that addresses the issue. And so that I would, I would teach all of my young leaders, uh, the, the three words, I don't know. And, and because, because when you're young and you and everybody in a, a little circle is looking at you, you feel like you have to have the answer and that's where you get in trouble. And so like, I would teach them to say, I don't know. I would teach them to say the scripture says, and then I would teach them to say, Hey, let me find out. Right. 
Those three phrases are so important. Incredible, JP. Listen, dude, we could talk to you literally all day, man. I I love it. Man, I love the conversations that we have. Um, Man, I just love how you encourage leaders and you're impacting a whole generation for the glory of God. Man, thank you so much for your time. Um, And friends, I want to tell you about some of JP's resources. Um, And he's a best-selling author on top of everything else he does. So you got Welcome to Adulting. You got Welcome to Adulting survival guide. You got welcome to the future. I got my JP starter kit over here. I love that, Um, man. (laughs) Look at that. And then JP, you got another book coming out soon, man. Tell us just real briefly about that, man. I'm so excited. I got to read it, an endorsement for it. Man, gosh, so good, man. It it really deals with a lot of what we're talking about. It's called, why do I do what I don't want to do? And so it's a really long title, but it's, it's, it's replacing deadly vices with life-giving virtues. And so um, it's, it just talks about vice and virtue and it, it really is, a um, kind of a a relevant cover to the pursuit of holiness. What does it look like for us to live a holy life as we as we seek to honor God and follow Jesus? So yeah, it's it's coming out in March, and I hope you pick it up and share it. Absolutely, hey, and friends, if you're not following JP already on social media, be sure to do that. Also, his podcast, um, becoming something, uh, is one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. Also, you can find out more about him and all his resources at jonathanpacluda.com. Also, we want to remind you of gensin.org, all the resources at NAM that we develop, uh, whether it's a pipeline for your students, uh, articles, other resources, events, uh, podcasts, webinars, uh, even helping mobilize your students uh, for short-term and summer mission trips to serve with church plants and church planters and missionaries all over the nation. You can find all of that at gensin.org. Um, and we get to run this race together to uh, reach, disciple, and equip uh, Gen Z with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And hey, in our team, we call them Gen Z publicly, uh, but behind closed doors, we've been referring to them as the revival generation. That's good. Uh, it's currently a prayer request, but I pray it turn into reality. And I believe we're seeing sparks of it across the nation. We just pray it turn into an inferno for the name, fame, and the glory of King Jesus. Uh, JP, man, I'm so grateful for you, dear friend. Do you man, mind, you, man, bud. just kind of shutting us down and, I'd love to. and praying for these leaders? Yeah. I'd love to. Father, thank you so much for this ministry, for this opportunity to gather. Thank you for technology that we can be in each other's living rooms and offices and conference rooms just by by way of technology. And Lord, if there's anything that I said that's consistent with your spirit and who you are and your character, Lord, I pray that it would stir in our hearts and minds and change us and, and, and encourage us and embolden us and help us to speak the truth in love. And Lord, if there's anything that I said that is a, a lot of me and, and not much of you, uh, inconsistent with who you are, inconsistent with your character, Lord, I pray that it would be forgotten, erased from our minds before we transition to the next thing. And I just thank you for for Shane and this ministry and these guys and uh, all that you're doing through it. I pray for a revival generation, Lord. I pray that they would just be on fire for Jesus Christ, that they would want to share with their teachers and their students, their classmates, their parents, their siblings, uh, their neighbors, everywhere they go, that it would just, that, that the flame 
fame would be fanned and uh, the the renown of Jesus would would increase. And so I pray that we would be about living out Christian values in our communities and that our land would be preserved. Lord, would you please turn our hearts towards you? I pray for a great awakening, a, re- a spiritual renewal in our midst. We love you. And I pray you bless all of these pastors and leaders and friends in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, JP. And thanks, friends. Have a great rest of your day. Tell somebody about Jesus.